you can uh, turn with me this morning to First Peter, First uh, Peter chapter three, as we're considering the Lord's apostle, as he gives us instructions which we cannot go wrong by following. We need to understand them, and uh, then we need God's grace to uh, to follow them. And I can't say everything in one message. I can't. Maybe some can, but I certainly can't. (laughs) So we have more than one or two messages on this subject as we work our way through the text, and we allow the, the text to give us the subjects to think about. And so we're in 1 Peter chapter 3, the first two verses about wives being called to be submissive to their husbands. Now, you know, in 1 Peter 2.12, kind of sets the context for this, Peter gave this overarching exhortation, having our conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that is, among unbelievers. And Peter's concerned how this new religion called uh, following Jesus the Nazarene, how this new religion appears in that Greece and Roman culture. He's very concerned about that as how the church is going to be perceived by the world and especially in the whole realm of authority. And he goes off into three spheres of authority. The authority of the, of the magistrate or the king or the state authority over believers. How are believers going to behave toward the institution of civil government or whatever we want to call it? And then he moves on to the whole realm of masters and slaves. How are we going to behave in the master-slave relationship? And then he goes on to the third realm of our families and how are wives and husbands going to behave? Are wives going to be submissive to the authority of their husbands? And are husbands going to love and be kind to their wives? And Peter sees these realms as essential for the church's witness to the world. And I think they still are. I think they still are. So when we get down to chapter 3, verse 1, those first two verses, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some of them do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Well, we must admit that although Peter surely has wives in view, he's concerned about the evangelistic mission of the church. The purpose of wives' submission is so that even if some of the husbands do not obey the word, they will without a word be won over by their wives to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an amazing thing. We'll say more about that before we're done this morning. But in the Greco-Roman culture, wives' submission to their husbands was expected and looked upon favorably in many ways. So our culture is very different than this culture in that regard. Peter sees the church manifesting Christ 
breaking into this pagan culture. And he's concerned about these things. And in our culture, it's just the opposite. In our culture, ladies, you are belittled and you are made fun of if you follow your husband's leadership and submit to his authority. And uh, that's, a, that's a very sad thing. That's a very difficult thing. But our culture thinks, dear sisters, thinks of you as less uh, because you actually take a command like this serious. But in doing that, you are manifesting Christ in doing that. And so, don't lose that, that vision. Peter Davids writes this, quote, Although many in our culture criticize the New Testament authors, what would be surprising to the original readers is that here in an ethical section, wives are addressed at all. Peter clearly focuses his address on women whose husbands are not Christians. Not that he would not give not that he would give different advice to women whose husbands were Christians, but here he addresses them as independent moral agents whose decision to turn to Christ he supports and whose goal is to win their husbands that he encourages. This is quite revolutionary attitude for that culture. You remember last week we said it was expected that the wife would follow the gods of her husband. No questions asked. So Christianity is asking these ladies to go against a major cultural expectation that the wives worshipped whatever gods the husband chose. And so... You know, the secularist may beat up on Peter, you know, for being so backward. But this is not backward at all. There's a realm here where the Scripture is approving of the wife not following her husband in this question of who do we worship. That's the context of this original exhortation. And as David says, readers of this would be surprised that He even addresses the women, that the women are addressed as independent moral agents. That would be surprising in this culture. So, it's the scriptures and the gospel that have liberated women from tyranny. It is. That it is. Women have been liberated from oppression and tyranny by the gospel. And we need to understand that is the historical context that our early sisters have themselves in. So, I pointed out last week that Peter's likewise is very significant in his exhortation. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. You see, there are higher principles which apply to all these situations, including a husband's proper treatment of his wife, because verse 7 is going to have the likewise also, isn't it? Husbands likewise, wives likewise, husbands likewise. And so there's this higher set 
of principles that applies to both. And we kind of work the context a little bit to figure out what are those. Well, with all fear, with all fear of God, or with all respect of authority. That's one of the likewises. Verse 17, honor all people. And husbands are commanded to honor their wives in verse 7. Honor all people is the likewise. And then verse 13, all the way back, uh, the likewise could be, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance or authority of man for the Lord's sake. And that's probably where the likewise goes all the way back. We are, you are following Christ and we are submitting for the Lord's sake. So husbands, you know, you thought your wife's just going to submit to you for your sake. Well, it's good that she respects you in that, but ultimately her submission to you is, is ultimately not because of you. It's because the Lord calls her to submit to you is where that's coming from. And, and that, of course, is a, is a very good thing. It's for the Lord's sake. That's the likewise, okay, likewise. For those reasons. So being submissive begins by getting the likewise right and nurturing it and maintaining it. You won't make progress unless you do that. Your submission is to be a concrete expression of those fundamental traits of godliness. Fearing God, respecting the expression of God's delegated authority, for the Lord's sake, honoring all people. It flows from those things. Well, this morning we're going to move on to some more specific details. Now, I, I wore soft colors. I wore pink. <laughs> soft. Okay? So maybe, maybe that'll make what I have to say a little more acceptable, uh, ladies. Okay? You know, if sweetness of speech increases learning, maybe, maybe sweetness of dress <laughs> at times increases learning. I don't wear pink very often. And one of my least favorite things to do is to pick out clothes for Sunday. You know, the robe, you know, we still have some churches, they wear robes, you know. You know, that's pretty cool. Just pop that thing on, I'm done. I can save 10 minutes every Saturday or Friday night trying to figure out what, what clothes to wear. So, Anyways, uh, yeah, God has made us different. Even, even our color preferences as men and women are different, aren't they? You know, not completely, but it is a testimony, that another one of those testimonies, that God has made men and women different, even, even in, in their use of color and things. So, so we have uh, more specific things to go through here, here this morning. So, uh, let's look at the the context of this submission in marriage. Uh, we'll go a little broader, but it's in the word wives, right? That's the context. The context is marriage, okay? So wives tell us we're talking about this institution from the Lord, this blessing from the Lord of marriage. So this submission is in the context of the closest of all human relationships is marriage. There's no other relationship known to man that is closer than this relationship, or it should be, and, and that is, is marriage. The two shall become one. Our Lord's teaching on marriage is summarized in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. 
And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so it's the, the closest of human relationships. And only God can make it. And let no man separate it is the standard with which we were first created. And of this new singular unit, which God has created, he has appointed one head. And that one head of that new unit is the male, is the man in that relationship. There aren't two heads, there's, there's one head. And it's in this relationship that, that, that is supposed to be a secure, safe place. But because of sin and a lot of our depravity, it's often not a secure and safe place. And, and God help us. But the original creation intent is this is supposed to be a secure and a safe place for both the man and the woman. And if and when it's not, there's simply one explanation. It's that three-letter word, sin. If and when it's not a secure and safe place, it's because sin is at work in our lives and in our marriages. And I don't know of any marriages where sin isn't or hasn't been at work. And my marriage was no exception to that. Okay? But we don't lower God's ideals. It's God's grace and mercy that begins to enable us to go in a direction of a new creation. So that's the context of, of wives submit to your husbands. And husbands, that's the context. In that safe place. And, and it, well, we'll get to the husbands in verse 7. Okay? Uh, I know you guys got only one verse, you know, and the ladies got four or five, but, but don't worry, ladies. It, it, okay? It'll be fine. Okay? I'll beat them up as much as, as on you. All right? So, so that, that's, that's the context. I just, I just wanted to emphasize that. Husbands are to lead. Their families, especially their wives, and wives are to follow their husband's leadership and headship. Now, the meaning of submission, to be submissive, means to obey authority. I mean, the word obey is almost a dirty word in our culture. I would encourage you to listen to conversations, listen to all stuff, and, and find out, and tell me, I'd like, go out and do this project. Find out, can you hear anybody using the word obey except when it has to do with doggy obedience school? Okay, there you'll hear the word obey being used when it has to do with dogs, you know, or your favorite pet. But just, just pay attention and see if anybody uses that word, whether it's in the workplace or in the home, whether they use the word obey. And uh, our culture has has 
morph that into a degrading thing. When people obey, that's how I was raised in the 60s and the 70s, if you obeyed authority, that was degrading. Okay, that attitude isn't new. That attitude came straight out of the late 60s and the 70s. You know, oppose authority. That, that was your goal in life. And if you obeyed someone, that was to degrade yourself. That's how far we have gone from respecting God's authority. But yes, that's what submission means. Submission means to obey authority. This does mean that a wife is to obey her husband. And it assumes that the husband will make his will known. He must lead. There must be something to follow. There must be something to obey. And the husbands must lead. Okay? They must learn how to lead. Submission does not mean... Submission does mean to obey even though many are trying to define submission in some other way that separates it from the concept of obedience. But it's plain from verse 6 in our context that obedience is exactly what Peter has in mind. Verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Okay, that's what that word means. You know, now that we got computers, you can search a thousand early Greek manuscripts. I'm sorry, you know, if you find one text out of a thousand that uses the word head to mean source, no, we're not going to translate the husband is the source, the head of the wife. No, you know, if there's 999 other uses, I've gone off into some of the etymology conflicts about these terms. And no, head means authority. Protective leadership authority. It doesn't mean only source. So when Scripture says the husband is the head of the wife, it doesn't just mean, well, he's the source of life for the wife. Uh, No, it means he is the leadership. So that's what it means. Wives are to follow the will and the direction of their husbands for the Lord's sake. Now, this submission, you notice in the text, is qualified. This submission is to be rendered to your own husbands. And that word is not in there by accident. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And that phrase will appear in Paul as well. Your own husbands. What is required is not submission to males in general. And you can look through history and you can see the perversion of this. You can see in ancient cultures this attitude that if you're a woman, you're just supposed to submit to males in general. Just, no, absolutely not. Your own husbands. Males in general do not have uh, authority over females in general. They don't. And it's ugly when we even see that expression at times in churches. We don't like it. It's ugly. Okay? You submit to your own husband. Ladies, you're not called to submit to all the other males in your life or in your church. You're called to submit to one man, and that is your husband. Okay? And 
Young ladies, you should not enter into that relationship unless you look at that young man and say, I'm willing to submit to him. I'm willing to be under his authority. Okay? And you young ladies, don't ever allow a young man who's courting you to begin acting as if somehow you should be obeying him. Now. Now. That doesn't happen until he makes and swears a covenant to take care of you. All right? You don't start going under his authority until he makes a covenant and swears that he will love you and take care of you. And until he makes that oath and covenant with you, ladies, you don't, you don't, you're not under his authority in that way. Okay? You submit to your own husbands. And also, ladies, young ladies, I would encourage you to look how your suitor's father treats his wife. Okay? You want to marry this young man, I would strongly encourage you to get as much exposure to his father, how his father treats his wife. Okay? Because unless you are the exception, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It helps if you're a Christian. But unless you are the exception, when you get married, you know what your suitors are going to do a bunch of? He is going to treat you just like his father treated his mother. That's what's going to play out. And that can be for the good, and that can be for the difficulty. <laughs> But the Lord can get you through all of that. But that is what's going to happen. Young men are going to image their fathers. As much as you young men might say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to think that way. My dear wife would tell me, and this wasn't a compliment, and, and, this, is not, and this is not slamming my father, all right? But she said, you are just like your father <laughs> in certain in certain places which were probably some of my biggest shortcomings were like the shortcomings of my father and she was right i mean it might take 5 or 10 years into it to admit that and recognize that but it's real it's real but of course, by God's grace, we have the Word of God and the grace of God. Okay. And the likewise had meaning for both of us. Likewise, dwell with your wife in an understanding ways. Likewise, submit to your husband. You see, it's the likewise that made our marriage survive. It's the like, you got, you see what I'm saying? If there were no likewise, we'd have never survived. No way. No way. It's the likewise that made the difference. 
So that's a lot out of submit to your own husband. But, but it, it brings up those thoughts. So let's move on. Now, there are some significant blessings which come from being under authority. And the first is, I want to talk about these. The first is there are situations where you need not waste time and energy in indecision. I just don't know what to do. Well, ladies, when you feel that way, I just don't know what to do. I have a suggestion. Go ask your husband. (laughs) He's given him to you for your protection, for your leadership. I just don't know what to do. Go ask your husband. In such situations, that's the obvious thing the Lord would have you do. Lord, tell me what I should do. Lord, tell me what I should do. Lord, tell me what I should do. You ever thought about asking your husband? (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Okay, so, so, I mean, now that's how the world thinks. They, They go ask their girlfriends, right? Right? Now, And you can have girlfriends, okay? I'm not saying you can't have girlfriends. But you see, this is, this is a great blessing. You can ask your husband for direction. According to Paul, a wife's submission extends to everything. Therefore, just as a, as a church is subject to Christ, so, so the wives, so let the wives be to their own husbands, there it is, their own husbands in everything. So there are no situations that you face, ladies, that you may not avail yourself to your husband's direction and leadership. And in situations of indecision, what should come to your mind is, quote, the Lord's made it clear to me that I'm under my husband's leadership. So he should lead me I'll seek his direction in this matter. That's how you should think. The Lord will bless that. Now, husbands, leadership is sacrificial. Leadership is sacrificial. If Christ calls your wife to be subject to you in everything, then you can't simply say, well, honey, don't bother me. Just just go do what you want. I'm too busy. No. You need to be busy loving and leading your wife. Okay, so the Lord calls her to come, ask, be leadable, ask for advice, ask for direction. And if your response is, don't bother me, or, oh no, she's got to, you know, she's, She wants something from me again. Well, you're not going to have a submissive wife unless, you know, she's completely like Jesus. (laughs) No, I mean, you have a responsibility there to lead. But it is a blessing, ladies, that you can know what to do. You can follow and find Christ's authority that way. And I'm not saying when, you know, Paul's statement, submit 
in everything. I'm, I'm not saying, of course, the husband will delegate. If the husband is wise, the husband will delegate all kind of things, entrust all kind of things to his wife. Absolutely. If you're a wise leader of your household, you're going you know, to divide and conquer. All right? To use that expression. And there's a lot of things that need to be con- conquered, and there's a lot, of, a lot of responsibilities that need to be spread around and divided, and all of that, that all needs to be done in order for, for your household to function. I mean, even if you don't have kids, you still need to all do, do that. And then if you have a bunch of kids, it's all the more you need to do that. You know, divide and conquer and, and delegate and entrust things, things to your wife. But, but you see, it's a blessing, ladies. You don't have to have all this indecision. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, go ask your husband. And he'll help you know, and off you go. And you can trust Christ with that. So the second blessing is, is the peace that's available to you, knowing that obeying your husband equals obeying Christ. And I'll talk about exceptions in a later. But, you, you know... As I say, you know, you can't go wrong obeying Christ. (laughs) And when it's clear, this is what He calls you to do, you can have peace. You gotta trust Him. You gotta trust Him. But you can't go, I mean, that, it gets down to faith. It gets down to faith and unbelief. When, when, in these very difficult situations, I, I, you know, you, 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 you can't condition your obedience to Christ on, on your spouse's behavior. You know, you want to cause a lot of problems in your marriage? Just do that. Just do that. Condition your behavior based on the response of your spouse. You know, you'll, you'll have problems all the time in your marriage if you do that. And that's a hard thing not to do. <laughs> no, you're, you're obeying Christ. And there's peace in that. When you know, I, I'm obeying Christ, there's peace in that. If you're a believer. If you trust Christ and you know who He really is and He's trustworthy and He'll never ask you to do something that's not good for you. He'll ask you to do things that are hard. Just like His Father asked Him to do the hardest. Right? The Heavenly Father asked him to do the hardest. And that, see, we've got to work it out. We always work it out from the gospel. And so, what he'll ask you to do at times is hard. It's going to be, marriage is hard, all right? <laughs> Let's be realistic. You know, maybe there's only one out of a thousand Prince Charming and, and Cinderella. You know, now even Prince, you know, you're out. The women's livers, they don't even like Prince Charming anymore. <laughs> no way. They don't even like him. <laughs> but may God help you as husbands be Prince Charming <laughs> in the right way. So, okay, so those are two great blessings that come from being under authority. Not, not simply under marital authority, under church authority, under authority out there in the workplace. There's blessings that come from being under God-constituted authority. And, and those are two of them. Now, there's a, a few misunderstandings and clarifications real quickly. 
And then we'll get to our major part of this message. We haven't got to yet. Submission to someone else's authority makes me in an inferior as a person. Well, no, that's just not true. In other words, slaves to masters, wives to husbands, children to parents. That doesn't make those that are in submission inferior as a person created in the image of God. In John 5.30 we read Jesus' description of His relationship to the Father. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus' thorough submission to the Father's will does not make Him inferior to the Father. Men and women are created equal. Okay? And we could go much further on that, but we don't need to. Second misunderstanding, perhaps, or clarification. Submission does not mean putting a husband in the place of Christ. Now, this takes some explanation. Submission does not mean putting a husband in the place of Christ. The whole context of this passage makes it clear that allegiance to Christ takes priority over all human allegiances. Okay? He is Lord, not your husband, in that final sense. 2.13, for the Lord's sake. Okay? 2.15, I'm, I'm, did I say Hebrews? 1 Peter. 2.15, for this is the will of God. 2.16, as bond servants to God. That all applies to you directly, ladies. Your husband is not in the middle of that. You're a bond servant to God. Right? You're not a bond servant to your husband. You're a bond servant to God. If because of conscience toward God, this is commendable before God, you are to follow His steps, Jesus' steps. You are to obey what? In the sight of God. The husband is not in the place of Christ. You're to to be submissive to your husband. You're to obey his husband. But he's not Christ over you. He is not Christ over you. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the relationship between you and Jesus. And your husband is also a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's the relationship between him and God. Okay? And now he gives you both, Christ gives you both responsibilities? Absolutely. But don't slip into this thinking that your husband occupies the place of Christ over you. He simply does not. And the reason why there are times you might have to disobey your husband. Right? Like under all delegated authority. If the delegated authority says sin, you have to disobey. If your husband calls you to sign a fraudulent tax return, 
what are you going to do? See, he's not in the position of Christ. Christ would never call you to sign a fraudulent tax return. But husbands might. (laughs) You're not going to sign, are you? You might suffer for obeying Christ. Maybe not. Or maybe you'll save your husband from getting popped in the IRS court. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's, that's a concrete example. So you think, uh, think through that. Okay. This, of course, means there are exceptions to one's submission. You know, if you're in an unequally yoked relationship... In, in like in that in that early century, the the husband could try to command the wife to burn the incense, you know, to to the idol, but she's not going to do that. She can't do that, right? Because she's submitting to Christ, and she's going to disobey her husband and not burn the incense. Okay. So, think through those things. I'd be glad to interact with you individually if you have questions about these things. The third uh, thing here, husbands are not the Lord of their wives' consciences. Let me explain that. You know, in Scripture, we're, we're to obey two things in Scripture. We're to clearly obey the Word of God, clearly, and we're to obey our consciences. The Word of God doesn't give us every detail. It gives us things that are clear. There's no exception to that. But in addition to that, we have a sense of right or wrong in our consciences. And the Word of God calls us to obey both. So guess what? You get married, you don't have the same consciences, do you? No, you don't. You grew up in two different households. Your consciences got imprinted differently by being growing up in two different households. No doubt about it. So the husband is not the Lord of the wife's conscience. Only Christ is. Now, ladies, that doesn't mean you can always just play the conscience card and say, well, it's against my conscience to do this. (laughs) Okay? You know, go down and spend 20 bucks at the car wash. It's against my conscience to do this. Okay? Well, (laughs) maybe you should go down and spend 20 bucks at the car wash. Okay? I don't know. I, I, I should have maybe come up with some examples, but... But you, as husbands and wives, you have to respect each other's consciences before the Lord. And I can remember, I can remember early on, it, it, I don't know, maybe it took five years to figure this out, maybe more. But, but my dear wife at times would seem like, you know, she's just bucking the plans. <laughs> or she's making it difficult. You ever feel that way? Like your wife is just complicating this stuff. You know, this was going to just be a simple thing. And it's gotten really complicated. (laughs) And it's my wife that's complicated all this stuff. You know, and then we husbands, we come impatient with that. You know, you're you're just resisting me. By making this all complicated, you're resisting me. Well, you know, that goes on like for five years, right? (laughs) And then finally, finally I realize, oh, she is just more thoughtful than I am. 
about people. And she's more thoughtful than I am about how you honor people like guests in your home. (laughs) Now it's getting real close, right? (laughs) Like how to honor a guest and how you honor people or how you're thoughtful and all these additional, you know, maybe we should put a ribbon on the gift. Well, I was just thinking of handing it to them unwrapped. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not going to treat the person that way. And for her, that's a conscience thing. That's like considering others more important. Treating others with respect and honor. That's an honor thing. See? And, and so she's just not trying to be difficult. This is going on in her, in her conscience. So we, we just have to, you have to think about that. As, as to what's going on in some of your conflicts. But no, the husband is not the Lord of the conscience. Now, I mean, when things are clear from the Word of God, you know, we all are to submit to the Word of God. But husbands are not the Lord of their wife's consciences. And, and, and as brothers and sisters, we should really respect that with one another. That, that's an aspect of us respecting one another, is to respect one another's consciences. And sometimes, you know, that causes us to have to sacrifice some, doesn't it? You know, I'm in Romans 14 now, but... Uh, so there, okay. So, what I, what I want to say in this next major part here, and I'll just introduce it, and then I think I'll stop short. The next major part here is this. God's commands to wives and husbands cannot be fully obeyed without the operation of the gospel in our lives. Okay, we desperately need the gospel operating in our lives in order to do these things. And many people don't think such until they get married. <laughs> okay, you, you young people that aren't married, you're all overconfident, all right? It's going to be harder than you think, okay? 95% at least, I, I will say that. And that's fine. That's growing up. Okay, there's, I'm not criticizing you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, be sure you're operating with the grace of God because you're going to need it. And He's going to supply it. Okay. So uh, most of us by experience, you know, we discover that it's more difficult. And, but God's commands to wives and husbands cannot be fully obeyed without the operation of the gospel. And um, I want to go into that. I'll do that, Lord willing, maybe, maybe next week. But we're going to go into that. And it's going to take us, actually, to Genesis chapter 3. And it's going to take us to the curse. And we've got we to see that we're cursed to realize God supplies a solution to the curse. And right there in Genesis chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, we're going to work through that text that, that there's going to be conflict regarding mastery in the household. And it's the gospel that overcomes that. So, and I don't have time to develop that as clearly as I should here this morning, so we'll just uh, we'll, we'll stop at this point. And if the Lord gives us uh, another week, uh, we'll, we'll continue that. Let's, let's pray. Oh, our Father, you are very good and you've created all things very good, as you said in your word. 
And Lord, that includes us as, as men and women, uh, how beautifully uh, we came from your hand. And Lord, we, we, we humble ourselves before you and, and we acknowledge, Lord, that, uh, that uh, we are the ones uh, despising your authority that have messed things up. And yet, Lord, you love us and you've come after us. <laughs> Father and Son, you've, you've come after us and so we thank you. And Father, in, in this most close and special of relationships uh, that we can have, oh, how we, how we plead and ask for your help. Lord, uh, make us humble women and humble men. And Lord, we plead and ask for your help. We need it. We ask for it. Lord, you can give it. You've promised. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and his example and come and pour out your Holy Spirit that, that, that we would be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would have a humble attitude to defer and to submit to one another and all these things that preface these specific commands. So Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.